of myself, Trevor, Lauren, and Leo. Welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 340. We hope this finds you well. The very fact that you are here listening to this means that you are out there somewhere kicking ass. And with everything going on these days, good for you because it is not easy out there, is it? Luckily, we have this wonderful genre and community we can all be a part of that gives us so much escapism, inspiration, and never-ending joy. Horror, cinema, and culture. It really is the best there is, and so are you. Let's get on to the order of the day, shall we? It's an extraordinary new film, brilliantly written and directed by Sean Patrick Flannery from Boondock Saints, Young Indiana Jones, and scores more stuff. It's called Frank and Penelope. It celebrates its physical release on Blu-ray today. You're about to be joined by its gifted multi-award-winning star, Kaylee Cowan. Join us for the fascinating story of how she built this unforgettable character of Penelope from crafting the music of her speech to her backstory and intent. We also get into Kaylee's love of horror, working with Nick Cage and a bunch of possessed animatronics in Willy's Wonderland, to being locked in the basement of a haunted house and writing her own original horror film. Episode 340 with your new favorite actor, Kaylee Cowan is now slaying. This is Kaylee Cowan, and you're getting revved up for a ride into terror with my friends, the Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is a wonderfully talented storyteller. Her training for stage and screen began under the guidance of acclaimed acting coach Brandi Hotchner before nurturing her skills and passion in the theater world, dissolving into the works of the greatest playwrights of all time, including Chekhov, Tennessee Williams, Strindberg, and more. It was only just a few short years ago that she made her feature debut in a beautiful film called Sunrise in Heaven. To outstanding acclaim, her role of Jan Hurst earned her an audience award. She shifted gears completely for Kevin Lewis's delightfully insane Willy's Wonderland that became one of the most talked about genre flicks in decades. There was Darren Miller's award-winning skateboard drama Geo, the mystery thriller Bad Detectives, and many more. She has a remarkable ability to build characters and bring moments to life with such rich nuance and magic that they become indelible. Her latest project is a stunning testament to her work, written and directed by pop culture mindbender Sean Patrick Flannery. It's a romantic crime thriller horror adventure filled with muscle cars and poetry about two star-crossed lovers making their way across the back roads of Texas. At time of release, currently on VOD, it gets its physical release on Blu-ray. August 16th, it is Frank and Penelope, and it's one of the biggest surprises in years and certainly one of our new faves. We're honored to welcome its star, the amazing Kaylee Cowan. Yeah. Wow. What an introduction. (laughs) Well deserved, and congrats on the film. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and hang with us for a bit. Now, sort of that this chapter of your life is, and this performance is out there for everybody to see. How does it feel to kind of immerse yourself into the press of it all and hearing all the amazing things that people have to say about it? Getting to share it with an audience is by far my favorite part of the movie making experience after making the movie. Sure. 
Um, so getting to connect with an audience and see how it affects them is one of my favorite parts of the process. And um, I think that going to film festivals, that was my first time. This is the first time I've gone to a film festival with a movie and I loved it, especially after COVID. Yeah, right. You know, being able to go to a movie theater Mm -hmm. and... um, Man, I mean, just getting to share it with an audience is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a real event and a and a true celebration. And it's got so it's got elements of everything, right? It's got horror, romance, thriller, a road movie. It weaves in and out of so many different genres. And we'd love to focus just on the horror genre for a sec. As a viewer, are you a fan of horror films? Definitely. Wow. Okay. One of my favorite horror movies is. The Mist by Stephen King. Wow. Jeez. Yes. And then followed by The Orphan. Okay. Orphan. I think it's just Orphan. Orphan. They're making a sequel. That's right. I'm so thrilled. Right? That first first Orphan was insane. We had just recently seen it for the first time, Lauren and I. Yes. You're well familiar with that movie. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Can't wait for the the new one. And the fact that it's a prequel starring the same actress is, that's going to be a feat. As right. a young person. Yeah. Yes. Younger yes. than yeah. How yeah. did they do that? Younger right. than she was in the know. first movie. We're about to see. Apparently with no CGI or little to none anyway, and all done with like old school Hollywood lighting tricks and things. So it's going to be... Uh, I love that. Mm. But I'm one of the best people to go see a scary movie with because I was watching um, Bullet Train last yes. night. Yeah. Nice. I did a 4D movie experience. Really? <laughs> it was my That's first time. That's the one to do it to as well. I've seen Bullet Train. It's insane. I... The first time someone got punched, I had an open water bottle in my hand (laughs) and the seat moved and I squeezed the water bottle so hard it just splashed into my face. (laughs) So So, the 4D thing is all that the seats are rigged to action in time with the movie. Yes. So you get punched and you get you feel a punch in the back back of you. You get a shot like that. There's a pulse behind your shoulder. Oh, my God. That's there's wind. And lightning and water spraying in your face besides me throwing <laughs> yeah, yeah, water, throwing water, water in my everybody. face. <laughs> now that seems like a movie that's pretty intense with a lot of fighting, right? Oh, so yeah. Is there a point where it's just like, this is too much? No. no uh, the climax, you know, when the, the train is like, crashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot. I was, I was thought I was on a roller coaster <laughs> oh ride. Oh my God, that's amazing. Wow. I definitely thought for a second I was dreaming. I was like, this isn't how movie theaters are supposed to be. <laughs> I was like, this is surreal. Something's off, you know? Yeah. yeah. Lo- locally, where is there a 40X theater? Regal Movie Theater in okay. Burbank. Okay. Right next what? to you. Literally That's right next amazing. to you. That's amazing. All right. Oh gonna, my gosh, we have to go. We got to do it. That's yes. it. Yeah, because I awesome. saw Bullet Train. You hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. And yeah. if you haven't experienced in 4D, you definitely have to go see it again. Let's, let's do that. We're yeah. Gonna do okay, that. we're gonna do it. I wonder like how it is cleaning up a theater after that experience. <laughs> like Kaylee's water everywhere. That's what it is. Just probably popcorn everywhere. Candy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really intense for me because the wind started too. Like the wind, um, they have a wind machine also wow. during this experience and a water. So sometimes like if someone spits, yeah. water gets Oh my God, it's that really it's startling. down to that. It's so startling. And when the wind blew on my face, it was extra cold. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't it. think you'll get that much water, as so much water as I got. Yeah. 
That, but but you will get a spritz in the face. You have an option though on the side of your seat if you want to turn the water off. So oh my god, wow. that sounds so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I wonder who decides what is going to happen. Like, let's do wind in this scene. Oh, I'm sure they sit and there like, and watch it a million times. A whole group yeah. of people, right, programming it. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes me start to think: Is this new technology for just us in America, or has this been going on in Japan mm. and in China and Asia? And you know, it was, because the movie has a an I think it's set in uh, Japan, yeah, right? Yep, yep. Um, Bullet train, train is. And I was thinking about that because I was at the Cannes Film Festival and uh, we were premiering um, Frank and Penelope there. And I went into uh, the market and at the market they were doing a uh, VR movie experience for 30 minutes where examples like that would happen and you'd have smells coming into the air and someone's face would be right in front of your face when they when the, during the movie and you can choose where you want to look in the movie wow that opens up oh, yeah. an entirely new world exactly but that's more like I think at home viewership sure. will be like that I was actually talking to them while after this experience I had this conversation with them and, th- and thought they need to put this into movie theaters like this is how they're going to get people back into movie theaters sure. after COVID for sure for sure right. for sure make it like yeah. a f- an immersive experience right even for indie movies yeah could have the seats like doing a sort of like wave you know definitely or frank and penelope in that super yes. beat or whatever right just yeah. barreling down the freeway <laughs> yeah yes. so what what would uh just to get into horror films just just before we move on to the movie uh, what was the very first horror experience you remember having mm, first horror movie experience i can remember is probably watching chucky okay yeah that's a good one and I remember I had gotten a gift of the bride doll. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany. And yeah. Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't know she was in a movie, uh, but she was like at the house. Like my, my dad, <laughs> he collected things kind of like you guys, That's but not cool. at that level. So if he went to a yard sale and he saw something like that, he bought it and um, he put the movie on for me. He thought I would, he thought I would like that. Um, and I had to, we had to throw her away. I and she kept coming back. My brother thought it was funny to antagonize me, keep bringing her back into the house, and um, she scared me. I didn't. I didn't. That's not the kind of doll no. that you want when you're no. a little girl. Exactly. That's a great story. Oh my so uh, when you first got to play in that space as an actor, was it in Incision? Was that the very first time you were in a horror movie? That was the first time. Yeah, yeah. and that was so. Uh, that was a movie that was done here in LA uh-huh. and we filmed at an actually haunted house. Really? <gasps> yeah. So that was fun. We filmed in the basement and this was right before COVID. And so we were all really close together in a basement and we were hearing sounds and um, they picked the house. It was here in LA and they picked it because they were like, oh, it's haunted. And I actually think it was haunted. I don't think it was a joke because oh we all ended my. up getting a cough afterwards and really? and cold shivers oh in the middle no. of shooting. And there, and we had to crawl into the basement through a... It was weird, um, but it was cool. That was the first time I made a, a horror movie. And that was like the plastic surgeon's house, right? Where you yeah. guys get, get into And That's the haunted house. There were a lot of prosthetics on that one. Yeah. How did you feel like for your first time kind of interacting with all that stuff? Um, you were tied down and, and yeah. cut. Yeah. I was actually supposed to do, my character was supposed to have a prosthetic face features on. Like yeah. it was, she was supposed to be botched from, uh, we ended up making it that she had like cuts on her legs. I had just gotten um, a chemical peel on my face. 
I had like some teenage acne and I got a chemical peel on my face. It worked for the character because she's a drug addict. Right, I don't know if you've right, seen right. it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so they put the prosthetics on and I had just gotten this like, this facial to help my skin and it did not react well with it. So they were like changing the story plot. So she would like cut. I think it ended up working better for the character that she had cuts. Like yeah. She was a cutter. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So then the doctor has some sympathy for her. And because she's not like of the social media world, like all her sister and, and everything, they're from like the social media world where like being um, cosmetically adjusted is like something that a lot of people in LA do. And she's like not from that world. And a great character. That character, Becca really popped out of that whole ensemble because of her, her kind of dark side. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. That was a fun one. And then up next, uh, the gum chewing siren uh i guess kathy in willie's yeah. wonderland <laughs> opposite <laughs> nick cage yeah when Crazy. i read that script um i thought it was so great and but i read the description for kathy and it said something like um mind you she's like a she's a teenage girl but the character description was skanky white trash would be on a pole if this town had one. <laughs> and I was like, mm. I was like, a description. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, she had, she had like 16 lines in the movie and like five of them were the word Bobby or Bob, some rendition of her boyfriend's right. name. Right. And I was just like, oh God, like how do I add some, like how do I add some life to this, this person? How do I make her more of a person? Um, Cause Really, the I mean, the great thing about Willy's Wonderland is is the animatronics. Like they are really what sells the movie, I think. And then they were like feeder for them. Mm-hmm. But Kevin was like, guys, are you, I I know it's not here, but I need you to make like these characters. We have to feel something for them. They can't just be feeder. And so I was like, what can I do? What can I do for this character? And I was like, what if we just like make her like blow? Like if she's an airhead, let's just give her some bubble gum and like <laughs> you know really just make her the epitome of it. Like. Uh, you know, trope, a right. trope, you know, just really just play into it and, and make it what so many people like love about those kinds of movies. Yeah. yeah. Going yeah. going into the film though, did you know by reading the script that, I mean, don't want to spoil it, but did you, did you know that um, Nicolas Cage would not be doing something in this film? <laughs> yes. I knew that Nicolas Cage would not be talking <laughs> through the film. And, but the thing about Nick is that he is a genius filmmaker yeah. in his own right. So he's, you know, he, he made decisions he was producing on this too he like he read the script and he picked out some he wanted more reptilian animatronics interesting before there was a dog and the dog was cut out wow they made it a chameleon instead and alligator alligator um and i think that was a really uh interesting and cool choice and he also he he knew what he was doing he was acting you know the full way through when when he wasn't talking he was still really serving you know like looks and just presence and he was really great to work with wow what did it say when he wasn't talking i'm just interested like what would it say on the script um it would just say something like janitor cleans up wow (laughs) it really wasn't the script really wasn't giving him much it was just like janitor janitor wipes uh, ping pong machine <laughs> again pops coke open right again wow. yeah again like he was they weren't really they weren't really like um they weren't being um, i mean the fight scenes those are really interesting to to watch but it's it's really i mean for to write a script with a character that doesn't talk at all too is very yeah. that that also takes some talent it's you know true. so it's much true. you want someone to tell you something mm-hmm. but you have to kind of imply like instead of talking to us he leaves the room like what is that you know what is that saying and how does that how is that justified as an actor? But Nicolas Cage is the kind of actor that can just look at you. And then you're like, 
<laughs> you're ready to look away. Yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, he's got like, he's got some, you know, he can say a lot. And just the, the experience of, of being around uh, an actor like that, is that, did you absorb anything from that experience yourself? Yeah, just how to, how to, like he would go over and over and over again. He did a lot of, he had a, a stunt double, uh, Lorenzo, but he did a lot of his own uh, stunts too like yeah. up until like when he when he couldn't you know and like for instance getting like thrown on his back onto a mat you know but he was um i learned a lot about just like how to act when you're not talking sure yeah. which is really uh that's a lot it's yeah it's a, a big talent. skill yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. somewhere in there you ended up playing like a Bride of Frankenstein character in a music video, oh, a black yeah. and white music video. <laughs> and I urge anyone listening, go check it out. It is, it's, it's amazing. What was the story behind that? I'm so surprised you know about that. Yeah, yeah, I checked it out. <laughs> so that was um, a music video for my friend. His name is Gabriel Jane. He and his dad, uh, his dad's an actor, his whole family is a bunch of like filmmakers. Their house is a uh, really cool kind of like, your house fun fun instant and friends instant bfs they love <laughs> frankenstein and wanted to do a music video where they bring someone back to life and they made their whole house a movie set oh, like wow. they made that all on their that's their house. crazy and um so i said i would be frankenstein a modern day frankenstein and um a lot of it consisted of like laying with prosthetics on my face on the table while um they're like more wind, more wind. Uh, yes, that's great. Lightning, lightning, and like you know, they're all their whole like house made set. You know, I'm like it's gonna crash down any minute. I'm like having convulsions on a on like the dinner table. <laughs> it was fun and like good, great for the real too because the way you look when you're stabbing them and everything and you got all the oh, yeah. yeah the makeup on it looks fantastic they filmed it on film really yeah. is that how they got it yeah yeah they did it on film and parts of it's on um. Uh, parts of it's digital, but all the black and whites on film. Oh, that's wow. stunning! Yeah. That so is really, so cool. It's fun to work with a family of like filmmakers who just love what they're doing. Yeah, doing it just for the fun of it. Yeah. Would you say that music is something that's very important to you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I make a playlist every time I have a character that I'm creating. That's very interesting. So it's a pathway mm -hmm. to finding characters for you sometimes. Yeah, I know Sean yeah. works like that too. He made a whole playlist while he was. Um, writing Frank and Penelope and while we were filming it he played I took some of his songs from his playlist put them on my playlist for Penelope and yeah. I think it definitely helps me get into character what was what were oh, yeah, some yeah. of the songs that yeah. were on your playlist uh, Cigarettes After Sex mm. um, Cosmic Dancer by T-Rex mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, that was a big one I think that actually made it into the movie yeah I think it did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Cigarettes After Sex definitely when I was 12 that's so cool. So were those ones that you had put on there on your on your own playlist independent of Sean? Uh, no, those were ones on, on the playlist. For me, I had uh, this song. It's it's like talks about red shoes, red dancing shoes. Okay, cool. Um, and I put a song called, I actually can look up the playlist. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I have um, my Penelope playlist right here. And I have Coltrane. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The song Penelope by Coltrane. Penelope by Early Eyes. Oh, and a song called Penelope by Pinback. And then I have, um, yeah, that's pretty much, those Those were my top played ones. That's really cool. cool. So how did you find your way to this project? I auditioned for it. 
Yeah? Yeah, I auditioned for it three times, actually. What? But I was told by the casting director that I was on a mood board, that they had already used a picture of me to be like, this is the Penelope I have in mind. So, and I wasn't submitted for it. So they they reached out to my uh, manager's office, and uh-huh. then they were like, can we get an audition from this girl? And I don't think that, that they got a response immediately. And then uh, a little bit later, they were like, we, we would like an audition. And then I made an audition and I immediately connected with it. I was like, I was like, I get this character. I get her. And um, I put in my audition. I was auditioning for a couple things then, like mayor of Kingstown role. Like um, I auditioned for, I think, Powerpuff Girls. That, like, oh, cool. Just, I put out a bunch of auditions because I was like, I'm ready to go back to work. and want to find something I really connect with. And then this one was like, they asked for a callback and I made the callback and then uh, was had a call with the director Sean, and then they were like, "We just want one final callback." And I was like, "Okay, sure." But I had gotten sick, so I had. Uh, there's a scene. The scene that I was auditioning with was like, and then Snot is running down. Like this was a stage direction. Like Snot is running down her nose. And she cries, <laughs> and, and I was like, Snot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. <laughs> A lot of people can cry on command, but can they snot on command? <laughs> Did you end up doing a, a chemistry test with Billy? No, I didn't. They wow. just were Are you just, kidding me? I flew there. That's COVID for you. Oh, you wow. don't do in person things. There was no in person for these auditions. Because you guys are perfectly yes. cast off each yeah. other. Yeah. The chemistry yeah. is insane. Yeah. That was his first movie. What? Unbelievable. I know. I know. I think he's already working on a second movie right now. But I would he's bet. definitely um Definitely a talent. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what else he does. We had had Sean on the show earlier when the fir- movie first came out um, in theaters and streaming. And I mean, he's just over the moon with the discovery of you yeah. for this role. I mean, he was like, I can't believe it. And he nailed it. And I couldn't believe it. The best thing I've ever seen. And we're like, yes, yes. I'm curious what you thought of the writing. Because there's such a poetry to the writing, and especially yeah. the things that Penelope gets to say. Yeah. What did you think about it, and how did what did it kind of, um, I guess, ignite in you? The character. Yeah. It's written in there. Sean is um, has written a book before, and Sean's writing is beautiful because it's the kind of it's the, the things he says, not only just the things that he writes, but the things that he says are things that you're like, this is. This is so beautiful, but it's said in a way that only he could say. I, mm. And I don't know how to say it any way, other way than that. Like, sort of like like a like a freaking savant just yeah. with his words. He's so, so brilliant. And, and in a way that's like, um, there's this line that I still, sometimes I still catch myself saying things that Penelope would say, like, <laughs> like, whoa, whoa there, like freight train, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I'll say things like... Um, like commonly like if someone says what's under there i'm like underwear but like <laughs> i just cause, or uh you won't see no berries or cherries from me you know <laughs> like, what am I, you know or like um just random things like that from the script that i'm like this is so such a unique vernacular yeah yeah and when you start saying it like when you are reading it there you're automatically like putting some sort of accent on it and right. I can't even really place what that accent is. It's kind of like Southern Texas, but meets like 
I don't know. It's and it just came out. Did it just come out when you were reading this script? Yeah. Her, her cadence, the the kind of melody to her voice and everything. Yes, of course. Wow. Do, do, was it something that when you showed up with this character that you kind of created on your own from the script? This this real version of of what we see on the script. What was Sean's reaction to kind of seeing it for the first time on set and you just becoming Penelope? Well, we did a table read, and he was he was like um. Said, don't change anything. What you did in the audition tape is exactly what we I want you to do. He was almost worried that we might change something in the audition tape. Yeah. And me and Billy looked at each other like, uh, do you remember what you did? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Bring it up on your phone real quick. Come on. It's like, what can I see your audition real quick? Okay. I, 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 I think I can do that again. <laughs> the Boo Crew will be right back. Every year, hundreds of young people disappear. God help those who get caught in the tourist trap. Tourist trap, the most bizarre motion picture you will ever experience, as three young girls are tricked, terrorized, and trapped in an old museum where human-like dolls have a life of their own. Now, they want yours. Tourist trap, from Compass International. Rated PG. film you guys have such amazing chemistry like and, and you know just thinking that he's a newcomer you know for his first feature mm-hmm. length and you know i'm thinking did you guys work on this chemistry like prior to production or did it just happen at the table reads and also right on you know during filming during takes well he's a newcomer but he's definitely he's so professional prepared knew his lines uh, he's great he showed up every day never you know always gave it his a game his utmost so um and for chemistry we were all living together so mm. we were in this little compound the compound that they filmed in mind you on the horror aspect you guys can appreciate this but all of that was like real stories and real places like we filmed on location like there really is a chisos mountain that the characters named after there really were sin eaters and they're really not in that specific area but there are appalachian sin eaters like, wow i did not know this it's all like Whoa. based on real real things like that wasn't just made up or like based on a different film like that was made up there was mercury mines like when you're on set filming it is extremely hot and um the place that we were filming wasn't just made like that was in a real place like where a real i was in a real jail jail cell where people with mercury poisoning who were said to be crazy by the community were thrown in there just an FYI, like real. And this seems like wow. cookie and everything, like yes. near the end there. Yeah, wow. That, that cistern scene, there was actually a cistern out there, like in the middle of nowhere. Like people probably were thrown in there, and I don't know if water was ever kept there, but the pool scene, that like, remember that, that like empty pool? Where mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. Just like a, a weird motel that had a, a, a you know, Coca Cola thing and uh, like a really desolate broken down place and you're just kind of thinking to yourself like who built this and when and where did everybody go that's extraordinary so none of the sets that we see are manufactured they're all found real actual practical locations found real practical locations in Terlingua Texas that's what inside the hotels and stuff too like the rooms and everything like that all all real amazing amazing wow did you improvise any lines 
Um, no, none of that was improv- improvised either. That's, wow. One of my favorite lines that you say, you say it a couple times, is uh, it's the secret that's never been told that offers the most extraordinary of suspense. Uh, yeah. It's the best. Do you that's have brilliant. a favorite? Like, do you have one that was like your most favorite to say? Um, stuck together, baby, like Haka Montarmac stuck ain't ever coming apart. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. And then I love how it, it goes and shoots yeah. like to a, a piece of gum on the, tar- on, the yes. on the road, right? Right. And now for me was like, I, he didn't write this on pur- purpose, but Sean and, um, Sean and this is just a nice little, um, uh, fun trivia fact is that Sean and Kevin Lewis both worked together on, I think it was either Sean's. Sean's first movie or no Kevin's first movie Sean was in Kevin's first movie and um so when I went into working on this one there was a couple crossovers like um Cammy the Chameleon the stunt actor who played Cammy the Chameleon was my stunt double on set she played the stunt double of mine you're kidding me yes when like the door breaks down yeah that's her that falls to the floor oh no way yeah um and and so her whole family was there but also for me and the character um, playing Penelope was like, you know, the hot gum on the tarmac and like Pen- Penelope and Kathy both like chewing, like th- that, the concept of chewing gum. Yeah. Like, yeah. The alligator really connected to me. Like the ga- alligator club is where, um, the gator club. That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Yes. Right. So like, if you are a fan of both of the movies, even though it's not connected at all, you can find like some sort of, yeah, some there. little Easter eggs. That's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. What did you think of? I mean, when you watch this movie, the way that even the title cards show up and the detail that he put, that Sean kind of put into everything in the final product, like that glaze of just everything's interconnected or the way the bottle falls down or the way he's got like GoPros on the tires of the car as, you know, to kind of show and exalts that car. That's another character in the story. All these little details that, you know, during the production, you might not have really been able to visualize from the full vantage point, but actually being able to see the finished product after post-production and to see kind of what he did with everything and how it all came together. What was that experience like for you? Amazing. It's amazing because, you know, so much of the time, like we were sitting in our trailers and there was a, a thunderstorm that would come by and we'd be like, sitting there for hours waiting to start filming and we're like what is getting filmed today like what is being filmed and he'd go on Sundays Sean would go on Sundays and and still keep filming filming with the B unit so (laughs) there were things that were like I I mean we had to shoot on a green screen even though he didn't want to at the end of the movie when we Mm -hmm. had to film that on green screen just because we ran out of days but there is no question that Sean did an incredible job with this film. If you just think about, I don't know, the hottest day and the hottest place you've ever been. And then think about like, I mean, we were literally shooting in Terlingua, Texas, a ghost town in this heat. And he's working literally eight days a week on this movie. So yeah. And AJ, the, the DP, him and him and uh, AJ just killed it every day. They were out there filming. So the things like the car, the t- car wheels turning, like, that was like a Sunday for them when they were out there on the road in a ghost town, you know, mm. filming during their summer vacation. So, yeah, I mean, when you appreciate like what the filmmaker had to do to get that shot, you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The passion shows yeah. through, though. I wanted to ask you about kind of the first major scene that we see Penelope in the club. And you have this very long scene with Billy. 
there is choreography involved. There's some laughs. There's some drama and a whole lot of tension. Tell us about filming that scene and what went into getting that right. It's a long take. Yeah, it is. It is a very long take. I'm 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 glad that you noticed that because it was. <laughs> um, it was. Uh, but that was, I was, we were all hoping to get it in just one shot. Wow. Isn't that really, yeah, that was a lot. But we, ha- we ended up using different takes um, and put it, putting it together like you do normal, normally. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like one day. That was the only scene that was shot that day. Um, and also it was, it was, um, we were in Austin, Texas, so we were going from dry heat to, uh, a, a more wet heat, a humidity mm-hmm. and curly hair doesn't really hold. <laughs> so <laughs> often, it, often it'd be like cut and I'm sweating too. Right, so right. I'd be like cut, reset. I'm like really pink in the face sweating. And then I would just see like the hair, the hair department coming, <laughs> for, coming for me with their, their curling wand to like come fix my hair. And so every, I was like constantly being curled. I had to dye my hair brown afterwards. I was like, um, I loved it. I love me. I love the hair and makeup girls so much. Um, and they had a little dog named Poopy that had one eye. Just shout out to Poopy. <laughs> uh, the set, set mascot. But no, I, I loved it. But it was very, I had to learn how to strip on a pole. I had never done that before. I took one class and that was what I came up with. Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> um, I, I do can do a spin now on it. Um, and so I just, I yeah, the choreography was like, okay, remembering what your body does and then also remembering what you're emotionally doing during like what's the arc here and then also remembering all these like these you know like really beautiful words not wanting to leave anything out not yeah. wanting anything to be cut but like trying to remember all that plus the movement plus the plus the um you know emotional beats that you have to hit was like um a challenge yeah. and i think it worked out i think oh, it, it definitely it. worked yeah. out it was like yeah. the showpiece kind of like the centerpiece of the whole movie my favorite part is when she dips her fingers into the alcohol and puts it on her eyes, you know, because she's really, you're really cute. You're really cute in there that she's putting on an act. Right. right. And then at the end of the movie, or even like just a few scenes later when they're on the roof, um, at the top of the super B on the Rio Grande and she's actually crying because she is telling him that she lied to him, which is really an admirable thing to do. I mean, a lot of liars will just keep lying. Keep going. Right. She was like, I, I, I care about you and, and I need to tell you this, that I, I was trying to trick you. Yeah. Like this can't great, be true love. Like, that's a great scene. I'm not honest here, but the coolest thing about Penelope is that even though she's a, a you know, a stripper, she's, um, she really has like a good heart and has loyalty and, mm-hmm. and she's, you know, she's got all these qualities that are very redeemable and make her a, a character that you can root for in the end. Yeah. Like. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. I can't remember what I ate yesterday. Like, how long did it take you to memorize all those lines? Because you have a ton of lines. Yeah. Um. Well, I read the script over and over and over again. So, and we had rehearsals. But yeah, we would just, it was one day after another and a lot of lines. I, I just, that just did it. I think a lot of it helps when you are, we ran it. Me and Billy ran that scene a couple of times together since the first day that we met, we brought out our scripts and sat down together and read our scenes. So we were, we were constantly working. We, that was our only job. That was our 24 seven, not our nine to five. We woke up in the morning. We were like 6am getting right, going straight to work. Then, you know, in your downtime, you're working on your scene and you're shooting and then you go home. And by that time you're either 
going to eat with your co-stars and run scene, run lines again for the next day, or you're just going to pass out and wake up in the morning and do it again. So, One of the things I absolutely loved about your character in this film is how you deliver these lines, you know, your personality. It's like you have this perfect mix of innocence and sex appeal and dark humor. Like, what was it? Like, how did you, what inspired you? Like, what inspired that character? And, you know, was there any character from a different movie or real life persona that you were like, you were channeling? Yeah, I definitely thought um, of Alabama Worley. Yes. I definitely got Mm -hmm. some inspiration from Patricia Arquette. Mm -hmm. I watched Badlands. Mm. And I got some inspiration from that movie, but not from the character. I also watched a movie with, was that it? Yeah. So I watched one of Marilyn Monroe's movies. And I think it was Rebirth No Return. It's this movie where she goes, I'm going all the way to Hollywood and fine. She says, I, that's, so anyway, I watched that on review. I was like, yeah, yeah that, that, that kind of reminds me of it. And then um, I watched, um, I watched a couple other road trip movies, but that's where I got most of my inspiration from. What about her backstory? Did you get any more of a backstory from Sean or did you? make one yourself kind of her i mean there's one thing she says a a few times in the movie about uh, if a man don't fly into a fit of rage Mm -hmm. it means he ain't in love to me i was thinking oh maybe she grew up even abused by other people maybe by her father and that was the only way that he showed her love and maybe that's turned into a strength right that was my backstory i wrote a, a very long long like almost like character bible about penelope um, I like just kept typing what I what her potential background could be, and like that kept changing, you know, changing. But there was a consistency, and mostly it was revolving around that line, actually, because for me, I'm a pacifist. I don't think violence is the answer. So I did talk to Sean about that. You know, how what, how did that line get in there, and what does it what does it mean? And for me, if someone is equating like love and violence together, for me in the character Penelope, I thought. She must have had some background where where she she was taught that her sexuality was a power to be used. It was something that was probably taken from her at a young age and something that she had to reclaim and assert herself in the world that way. She really sexualizes a lot of situations and sees it as a survival mechanism, like as if some something that. I imagine that she must have had some early traumatic past and then to overcompensate, everything seems sexual with her, mm-hmm. you know? And she doesn't know better because it was ha- must have happened at a young age where that happens. That happens with a lot of um, people who um, had had like, um, were, had traumatic pasts with, like sexual pasts, have this problem where they uh, over, overuse their sexuality mm-hmm. in the world. And that's how they kind of, um, it's kind of like Plato's cave. You know, where if you're in a cave and all you know is this world that you were that this cave and then you go out into the outside world when you're an adult, you're going to keep thinking back into the cave. Mm-hmm. And so for her, that was the cave mentality that she had had. And I think that's why she finds herself in that in those circumstances. And she, like like Frank, is at the end of her road. Like she can't take any more of this life that she has built for herself. She needs to get out of there. And Frank was the one who just kind of you know, save the day because he was, he, it was relatable to her. Right. I think even though they're very different, like he's a blue collar worker, like not never been to a strip club before. And she's kind of like, you know, 
off the deep end that <laughs> right, way. Right, right, right. <laughs> but the way you play it, it, that's and kudos to you for putting that all into the character because I think if if um, the way you play it actually has intent and like you say, you do root for her. Yeah. I think um, if you put the two scenes parallel to each other, the one where she has with Frank's character and the one at the end with Cookie. Yes. She's saying similar dialogue. Yeah. And I think it's an emphasis on like, now this really is how she's going to survive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She really is fighting for her life now mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. the one trick she knows how. Yeah. You know? And it, she it kind of like, it is like a super weapon. She's like, some people pull out their guns and she's like, destroy the world (laughs) so do you think uh, I mean uh, revisiting this world again do you think there's a a plan for a sequel or more adventures for Frank and Penelope in the future maybe I'd have to see a script I mean maybe there's a prequel or a sequel in there I know I've heard this the producers talking about wanting that Um, I'm not sure I I love when a movie just kind of is able to stand on its own though, sure. like a I good, you know, like a like true romance, just kind of like it's there, right? And it inspires people, and, and that's kind of like where it lives. Well said, yeah. oh, well said. So, did you get to keep anything from the production? Costumes, props. What did you keep? Well, I got to keep um, the shorts. Oh, cool! Nice. And um, there was the set bra. That bra. Oh, yeah. They, they, they supplied the bra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to keep that bra. Um, I still have it. And it, it very much reminds me of Penelope. <laughs> Over my closet, I'm like, there's a bra. Um, and then, uh, and I never wear it. It's just kind of like sits there. I'm like, hey, you got to frame it. Frame yeah. all the stuff. I got to keep um, one um, of the set nails. Not, not, it's like the rubber one. Mm-hmm. And what else did I get to keep? Um, I think that was it. I didn't keep much from the set. There wasn't much to be kept. Who ended up with the car? Or Not me. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> did you get to drive? Did you actually get to drive it? Yes, and it kept oh, breaking man. down. Oh, no. <laughs> um, there was actually a moment where I was with my stunt double and they were like, oh, she has to drive the car, but we need your face in the mirror. So you're going to sit on her lap. And I was like. All right. It would be really Is that what you friends. did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Two of us were driving the no car. No way. Somehow that's less dangerous than right, having, exactly. just her right. like, <laughs> having just me drive it. They were like, we yeah. need her foot driving the car in case anything happens, but you're going to sit on her. I don't know how they came to that's that conclusion. Funny. And then you're going to sit on her lap and look in the mirror like you're driving. And I was like, okay <laughs> oh my God. Wow. That's funny. I, I yeah. Speaking of funny, I love the scene with you and Kevin Dillon. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. That was our first scene, the first thing we ever filmed. Really? Yep. Oh, my wow. gosh. Yeah, there was a choreography there, too, right? Because uh, was, was it Billy or you were trying to get the gun yes. underneath on the floor yeah. of the car? Oh, yeah. You're having that awkward talk with Kevin, <laughs> trying to get him <laughs> off your back. It was yes. so great. Such a strange... Uh, oh, he's my brother. I love yeah. that line. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend, Casey, we... Um, play a joke we we were in budapest and this is the the joke just really didn't play there where we were like that's my brother and but uh he we had played this joke before and it's worked but this was like they had a different language and so then he was (laughs) saying he was pretending that he spoke spanish and i wasn't talking because i was like this is and he was like, that's my sister. And she doesn't speak, so I'm going to translate. And, and, and then he kissed me. And then they were like, 
what the hell <laughs> <What's> happened? <laughs> um, so Casey likes to play the that's my brother joke. Yeah, yeah. I have a great video that will never ever surface, but I just want you to know it exists of Casey dancing to Cosmic Dancer. No way. <laughs> Doing a whole little amazing Penelope thing. So it's not, it's not on the Blu-ray as a special feature. Nope. Not a special no. featurette. <laughs> that's awesome. Did you have a favorite scene from the whole movie? Mm. My favorite scene. My favorite scene was probably. Oh gosh, I'm gonna say it was working with Mabel Donna to Oh Erica. yeah, yeah, she was fantastic yeah. in this. And Unrecognizable. Shea. Yeah, oh, Shea, I didn't have yeah. a scene with her, but she was working with us that day, and I just she's 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 just been in so much. She's a horror queen. Yeah. It was really a treat to be like, so who's going to play this character? And then she flew in the next day and we were like, Oh my God, hi, what are you doing here? <laughs> She's like, so she awesome. was amazing. Yeah. She, she was just such a fun person to have on set. And, um, yeah. Also, I loved working with Brian Maillard. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. He really gave it his all. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. Oh, and Sydney Scotia. She's like a really good friend of mine now. Oh, that's great. Yeah. She was great too. I mean, Brian and Sydney, Sydney scenes, actually one of my favorite in the movie. I don't know why. I just love it. I really love the two of them. Wow. If you could work with any director that you haven't had a chance to work with yet, who would you work with? David Fincher. Oh, very yeah. cool. Uh, Casey Affleck. Of course, I want to work with Casey, but um, <laughs> David Fincher. I love. Um, I want to. Oh, God, I want to work with Damien Chazelle. Oh wow! Yeah, I loved Whiplash and Destin Daniel Creighton. Very cool. They're high on my list of directors I'd love to work with. Wow. And in the near future, who are you working with? What are we going to see? Any future projects that are in the works right now? Well, right now I'm working on a Christmas movie, as Fun. we speak. Uh, it's called Holiday Twists, and I'm working with a female producer, or a female director. It's her first time. Her name is Stephanie Garvin. Okay. And the producer of uh, Home Alone. So we'll see oh, how this wow, one. Wow, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. We'll see how this one, it's coming out in December, so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So going, and I'm, uh, I'm working with Emily Toasted again on it. Oh, great. Yeah, she'll be in it too. So, um. Yeah, we did Halloween together. Now we're doing Christmas. And uh, I'm thinking next we'll do a romance. <laughs> <laughs> Any more horror projects in the yeah. works? Oh, in the works. Ooh, I wrote a script. Really? Oh, yes. wow. Uh, it's a little too soon to talk about it. Okay. But it okay. is a true story. <gasps> and it was um, a woman in Budapest who was our assistant while Casey was filming a, a sci-fi movie called Slingshot. Uh-huh. And I wrote her, or I interviewed her several times, and then I wrote down her story. And I'm waiting to make it. And it's uh, it's about aliens. Oh, that's wow. be that. awesome. That's so yeah. cool. So um, I wrote it, and I'm waiting. It's like, all, they're all right now, I think we're going to set it in uh, in the States, but right now it's all these like very Hungarian names, which which were the real names, but also happened to be like names of people we met often like right. zolt is a very common hungarian name okay it's like john right. like a lot of people are named zolt huh wow and victor but with a v uh, with a k and her name is nora nori so we're cool. so excited that's gonna be yeah. amazing so i'm excited I'm, I'm not sure what i'm gonna do with the script but it i think it's it's pretty much done so i'm gonna um I don't know. Casey's going to do something with it. I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> uh, well, we can't wait. We can't wait to see you in more stuff. And 
thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Thank you for building such an unforgettable character that's iconic. Yeah. Iconic. You. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> you got a great poster. It's a great poster. <laughs> no, everything everything about this thing just blew our minds. Yeah. Again, we went in not knowing what to expect and what we got was extremely rewarding. And again, seeing you as soon as you come on as Penelope just sucks you right in. Yep. Uh, yeah. You, you, as soon as you yep. see that character, you're in. Yeah. And what you did with that character and the the melody to her performance and, and everything that you did to it. It's uh, incredible. So very, very good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I mean, and this house is incredible. I thought I was walking to, into a house that was just like a suburban house. <laughs> and I was transported into the house of terror at Disneyland. <laughs> and now I'm in Disneyland. <laughs> well, Did I ever tell you that I, I lived uh, in at the Sunset Tower? Or, really? Like, oh, wow. like, no, sorry, the Hollywood Tower. So, right. Which wow. is the where ho- they made the Hollywood Tower of Terror, right? Yeah. Tower of Terror. Yeah. Wow. And it's haunted. Yes. It is so haunted. Okay, tell me a story. Anything happened? The lights just turned out there. I, the management has been changed like three, four times. No one, you, if you... Yeah, you, it's not. They needs to. It, it's not. It's <laughs> not. It's haunted. They like, need the Ghostbusters. Without a doubt, <laughs> the the lights would. Turn, it's right by a freeway for a reason. Oh, no yeah. one was supposed to live there. <laughs> <laughs> they say Charlie Chaplin lived there. I'm not sure who actually lived there, but someone died. Must have died there because the lights will like just turn out. And there won't be no power. Oh, I got God. trapped in the elevator one time, <gasps> and oh. you just, just yeah. I know so many people lived there, and everyone's like, it's haunted. <laughs> wow, that's a whole other podcast episode. Yes. I have to yeah. go and investigate the Hollywood right. Tower with yeah. Kaylee Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, Kaylee. Well, thank you so much once again for coming. It's yes. been amazing to meet you. Thank, thank you for having me. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 340. Special thanks to our guest, Kaylee Cowan. Follow her at Kaylee Cowan on Instagram. And at time of release, you can pick up Frank and Penelope on Blu-ray and see it on VOD everywhere now. Production tracks for this one provided by the great Power Man 5000. Till next time, this is Trev, and for Lauren, Leo, and myself, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting. Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.